You are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. Greetings, welcome to the Steve Day Show podcast, available for free here on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and now iHeartRadio, so we want to welcome that audience here with us as well. You can go home again. I started out working at the original company uh, that used to be known as Clear Channel, now known as iHeart. That's where we started from, and now we are back on iHeart again, as they are helping to uh, promote and distribute our podcast, and we uh, thank them for that. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address, D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Steve Day Show. Todd and Aaron are alongside me as well. Let's uh, get a quick preview of what's to come on the television side of things for the audience that wants to check that out today at CRTV.com. Use promo code DACE, D-E-A-C-E. You won't just get the discounted subscription rate at CRTV for all our show, but you'll get access to all the shows there at CRTV.com. Mark Levin, including him, uh, Michelle Malkin, her, and uh, Steven Crowder as well. And yes, you get a free trial. So hey, if you try it for a few days and you think we suck, you can cancel. There's also monthly subscription options. You can do it for just 10 bucks a month and get all our shows every day that way as well. So more information, go to CRTV.com, promo code DACE, D-E-A-C-E. So Todd, what stood out to you today about the TV show that do you want the audience to look forward to? Well, you to. put yourself under uh, the fake news spotlight in what ultimately, in my mind, was the pilot episode of a zany little um, uh, Bosom Buddies-esque uh, situation comedy featuring you and the former communications director of the uh, Bernie Sanders campaign. I mean, there was a chemistry there. Just old college buddies just kind of connected the dots on this whole trump thing and what will that rascally guy do next it, it was it was good stuff well i mean basically i told her you're gonna get the immigration policy from trump you want she smiles and said, yeah, yeah you're pretty much right thanks yeah. Yeah, so you can watch that today as we uh, we go back and forth there in our fake news or not segment. What stood out to you, Aaron? Oh boy, uh, this this was this, this is what we do. This is this was like um, a re- this was like a demo of the Steve Day Show today. Uh, we went from Austin Powers to Mega Piranha to what you guys just talked about with the uh, fake news or not uh, between you know giggles and happy fun times with the Bernie Sanders uh, supporter um, to the meaning of the word movement uh, and then a surprise. Uh, at the end and a lecture about uh, what a certain thing that dudes don't care about I mean we covered the whole gambit and what I just said made absolutely no sense and that's why you got to subscribe right there. If that's not a pitch, I don't know what is. So CRTV.com, promo code DACE, D-E-A-C-E. It's time for Worldview Wednesday. I personally believe... Elitism. Marxism. Atheist. Government intervention. Secular humanist. Liberals and conservatives. Materialism. Nihilism. U.S. Americans. Christian. Globalist. Socialist. Democracy. Worldview, as the word suggests, is how we look at the world around us. How do we understand 
life as it hits us in the face. Libertarian. Tea Partier. The free market. Nobody is without a worldview. The only question is, is it a good one or a bad one? So it becomes the glasses, the spectacles, the filter through which they're actually seeing life. And the whole universe and the world and human life is understood through that lens. This is Steve Dace. And this is Worldview Wednesday. This is your college philosophy class on the podcast. And we get a little bit deeper into detail on the worldviews that are really the basis for the discussions and the debates that we have in our culture each and every day. And... We've been going through this series based on my 2014 book, Rules for Patriots, How Conservatives Can Win Again. We've been going through this series to see, hey, how much of this is still applicable in this environment we're in now? Where on a given day, for example, the Republican president of the United States could start off the day taking a law and order position and end it by saying, please codify Obama's lawlessness into, into law of Congress. I mean, how do we navigate that? It's increasingly difficult, right? And frankly, what we have found is that a couple of these commandments of political warfare that come out of this book, Rules for Patriots, How Conservatives Can Win Again, a couple of these Ten Commandments of Political Warfare right now aren't applicable. And I will be fascinated to see if this next one is. Because here is Commandment 6. This is the second day in a row of serendipity on the podcast, right? Like we had some eerie serendipity yesterday on our Americanism 101 podcast. The timing of that principle about the rule of law, not the rule and whims of men, right? With the whole let's have immigration on the whims of men, immigration law determined on that rather than the rule of law, right? Yeah, here's, yeah, that's that's right. What I tried to express last week is that there's serendipity on each and every one of these uh, Americanism 101s and rules for patriots because... The conservative movement isn't doing anything right, so it seems like it seems like everything is is uh, very well timed. Well, this one, are you ready for this? You ready for this one? Sure. Because we are on commandment number six. We're never going to get to ten, are we? <laughs> commandment number six of a book, by the way, that Donald Trump endorsed. <laughs> oh no! I don't like where this is going. <laughs> Especially in light of what we saw yesterday. Never abandon your base is commandment number six. Never abandon your base. Now, there is a modifier in there unless they're morally wrong. Here is the opening paragraph or opening sentence, I should say, of that chapter. I wrote these words in late 2013 or in the summer of 2013. The only political party in America that despises conservatives and libertarians more than the Democrats is the Republicans. Is that not more true now than maybe it even was then? And yesterday you watched Trump go out there, not keep his promise on DACA. Well, Steve, they said on Fox he rescinded it. No, he did not rescind it. Contrary to what you're hearing from Trump uh, shills or liberal media hysteria, nothing was rescinded. Not a single thing. They stopped taking new applicants for a program that was already illegal. They told the ones that already committed illegality that they got a two-year extension if they, if they applied for one within six months. And then at the end of the night, the president tweeted out, 
hey, Congress, make this the law. Make it permanent. Make this amnesty permanent, or I will. That was what he tweeted at the end of the night. After he got done sending Chris Christie out for a 20-piece McNugget, and my guess is, you know, on Tuesday, Trump's going to live a little dangerously, so we won't go straight barbecue sauce. He's probably going to go with a hot mustard, okay? So after he sent Christie out, and Christie came back with BBQ, so he sent him back. Hey, I said hot mustard, all right? Go back. I sent you out for the hot mustard. It's Tuesday. It's a hot mustard Tuesday here at the Oval Office. After Christie came back... <laughs> Hot mustard too. Because you, I have this look on my face we because both the visual, know that totally happened. The visual I have right now uh, is Gene Hackman and Norm Beatty and Superman. It's Lex Luthor and it's Otis, and that's it was. Just, it's <laughs> that's a beautiful. good analogy. You had this look on your face like I, I, I don't want this job. <laughs> <laughs> why, why am I? Why am I still here? <laughs> I can't I can't live with myself anymore. <laughs> but by the end of the night, Trump's out there saying, hey, Congress, if you don't codify Obama's illegal amnesty into law, I'm just going to do it all over again myself. That's why you got Steve King out there pulling as the congressman who's the biggest immigration hawk we probably have in elected office in the country out there pulling his hair out today. You got Steve Bannon out there saying the Trump presidency is essentially over. Every reason you voted for him is gone. Not happening. This is an abandonment of his base. Now, the timing of this story I'm about to share with you is serendipitous as well. Because you couldn't have just put this together to, as a troll. You know what I'm saying? This is something they, they, that came out yesterday that they just probably had in the hopper at U.S. News and World Report to publish at a given time. Not really knowing the full ramifications of what they were really saying here, right? Headline. Trump presidency has helped out Clinton supporters. Subhead. A new study indicates that by some labor market measures, Trump's White House tenure has been better to likely Clinton supporters than to his own base. It made MAGA. you laugh. MAGA. Hashtag MAGA. It made you laugh a while back when somebody said we are living in the middle of the woke singularity. I think <laughs> yeah. this is summing it up, isn't it? I... We keep since we're talking about the book, and I've said this before that the look on my face. I I remember the day I asked you, and when things were just starting to get weird, we were all realizing it. And I asked you about this book, and it's and it's will it be able to resonate in the future? And honestly, your reaction was probably the most wrong reaction you've ever had to me. In our long friendship. And I'm not blaming you for it because I I was not there. I just asked you. It popped into my head. And you said, oh, no. I mean, it's 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 still all. There's politics as usual and in some respect is going to go on. And here we are, man. Here we are. And that's why it's to watch you reflect on what you poured into writing this book. After a long... You didn't just do this on a lark and say, I think I'm going to write a political book. I mean, this is based on a long time of experience, not selling out, not just doing a paint-by-numbers book, actually putting tried-and-true wisdom on how many, you know, hundred-plus-odd pages of this book, and to now see it in this light. Um, it, this is, you know, God will simply not be mocked and i think uh, that's what people like you who have done everything to try to 
uh, put Humpty Dumpty back to better back together again. Even you know we all need to be told. You know what, Steve? Not your call. Sometimes that sob needs to just lay in ashes down on the ground there. And and I have begrudge begrudgingly in the last several months I have accepted that. I have accepted that. Oh, it's that. been hard. I've, so accepted, hard. I've accepted that. You know, and what makes it hard is, you know, I wrote a book, uh, I co-wrote a book with a, a buddy of mine who wrote one of the be- biggest conservative bestsellers of the of the uh, 2000s, Conservative Comebacks to Liberal Lies. And him and I spent about uh, almost three years on a book project following up on the 2008 election. What went wrong? Um you know how how where was the evangelical leadership at and rather than backseat drive as the young guys we decided to go to a lot of these leaders that's why it took three years you know we had a list of about 30 leaders we wanted to go to that that and we got almost we got you know more than half of them willing to talk to us and and we didn't just pick like all the big names there are some big names in this book but we also picked worker bees we picked mid-level people we picked grassroots people because we wanted a, a we, we wanted not just the ten thousand foot view but the on the ground bird's eye view as well right and um and we spent you know judge roy moore's in this book and we spent almost three years interviewing a lot of these people and then when we got the interviews done the other reason it took some time is we were wondering how to present these interviews and we finally just decided to present them as is with as little editorial comment as possible because if we if the, because people won't believe this if they read it they, they won't believe their leadership is this bad they just won't and and they need to understand how bad it is because and and so we need to remove ourselves from it as much as possible because then we'll make people feel like well i got to choose your take versus this guy over here who's a big star you know what i'm saying right and so we just needed to make it as we need to just do a weather forecast not comment on whether it's global warming or you know, it, it, this is just a, a hurricane's coming get out of the way that's all we were going to do and one of the things that it struck me going through that project is interviewing men. How does James Dobson, for example, someone I just adore, I've had my picture taken with James Dobson, or my, my kid's picture taken with James Dobson. But how does James Dobson go from in 1991 pointing his finger at the White House when George H.W. Bush is in the White House and giving a speech at the March for Life saying, I will never support for president anyone or for public office anyone who would harm even one of these innocent little babies. There are no exceptions. To... Oh, John McCain's a terrible person. He'd be a terrible president. But, you know, six months later, yeah, we got to support him. How does that happen? How do you make this evolution? What is it about this arena where men like James Dobson, who are uber-principled in every other venue that they address culturally, but when they come to this one, the utilitarian ethics begin? How does that happen? I, I, I wanted to know. For, as the next generation coming up, I wanted to learn, not just from their successes, but from their failures. And here's what I learned. A lot of these are men who came up in the late 70s and early 80s at a time that they as a movement were marginalized and considered a non-entity. And through the way they elevated Ronald Reagan to the presidency, that was a halcyon moment. Those were the salad days. That was that championship season. And they have pretty much, many of them, spent the rest of their careers trying to recreate it. And acknowledging that that paradigm no longer exists, 
That political party no longer exists. I've got a column at Conservative Review today. You know, the Republican Party is so busy abandoning the vision and values of Reagan that progressives are now trying to agit problem. The progressives are now doing newspeak. They're now trying to, they're trying to refurbish Reagan in their image now. Just lying about him. Claiming he was open and friendly to LGBT. Well, first of all, we didn't know it. There was no LGBT in the 80s. Maybe it was a restaurant chain that competed with TGI Fridays for your happy hour. And they literally accused him of, 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 of being the cause of AIDS. They literally did that. Those happy-go-lucky LBGBs, whatever they are, whatever that movement is. They literally, accused, they literally blamed Reagan for AIDS, literally. And I put a link to it in my own column. But yet this is, they're trying to whitewash, scrub all this, and now recast him in a progressive image. Well, I mean, we're not using him as an icon right now, right? So why not, right? You almost can't blame him to some extent. But that party's gone. That paradigm is gone. And I think it's very difficult for a man in particular. Because if you ask a man, who are you? First, they're going to probably tell you their name. And you're going to say, no, no, no. I mean, really, who are you? Most men are probably going to answer what? What they do for a living. That's what they're going to say. We are created to be task-oriented. We are created to be goal-setting. We're here for that. And it's very hard to spend your life's work it's very hard to have peaked in your 30s and 40s. And you're thinking this is just the beginning, right? And then you spend a generation trying to recreate that perfect storm and it doesn't come back. But now you're emotionally invested in it. Now, some people like Ralph Reed are just crooks. And I'll say that publicly. Ralph Reed is just a crook for the Republican Party. He's a shill. But a lot of these are guys that are, are victims of nostalgia. They just, they need to believe that this still operates the way it did in 1984. Because you know what happens if it doesn't? You know, when Dobson, quote unquote, retired from Focus on the Family, if you catch my drift there with the air quotes, when Dobson air quoted, air quotes, retired from Focus on the Family, I, I used to play this audio on my show a lot. You guys probably remember hearing it on the old local show. And in a private moment with that staff and with his people, he literally admits, Looking at the direction of the culture, we lost everything. You guys remember me playing that yeah. audio? That's really hard for a guy. You you gave yourself to a cause that, and time's the one thing they're not making more of. So every moment you gave to that cause, guess what you weren't giving that moment to? Your wife, your kids, right? And your wife and kids in those moments... I speak from my own experience, will support you if, one, you, they think that you have integrity on one level, and B, if they think the cause is worth it. When we lose, as men, when we lose our wife, when we lose our families to the cause is when, A, they recognize we aren't men of integrity, or B, they no longer buy into the cause. They don't think the cause is worth it, and so now we're choosing ourselves versus time with them. So these men just didn't want to come to grips with the fact that they peaked at 35 and for the next 30 years or they peaked at 45 for the next 30 years they basically wasted all of that time on political activism that just could, was never going to work for a political party that was never interested in them being anything other than a booty call and I 
And I grew from being very critical of many of these men to be very, to be very empathetic of them. Because I get it. Well, at least I thought I got it when I wrote that, or co-wrote that book back in 2012. I really get it now. I've given 10 years of my life and the best years of my life to this cause. I wrote this book that we're talking about as, you said, Todd, as the culmination of all of that work. My wife and kids have had to put up with me being called every name in the book and names that weren't even written in books yet. I've got my oldest who is artistically inclined. She has the lead in hairspray at the Des Moines Arts Center. You think given what the normal crowd is at the Des Moines Arts Center, the name Steve Dace is a warm fuzzy down there, do you guys think? Probably not. So that tells you how good my oldest is. That she's got to, in that, in that environment, she has to overcome the stigma of her last name. There have been moments we've walked through Target's and my wife with our with our kids and my wife has overheard people talking negatively about me well let's let's go talk to him she knows how i'm going to respond to that i'm i'm not going to respond to you if, if you get a step to me make sure you're ready to go all the way with it because i'm not like gonna i'm not gonna shrink in violet that's not how i roll so you know we got to go we got to go now because she knows how that whole thing's going to end probably with my name in the paper and someone going to the hospital me or them but they put up with it because they thought I had integrity and that it was a cause that was worth its worth the while, even if they didn't always agree with the way I was doing it or understand it. But in the last year, I've had to ask myself, what was the point of that? Now, I don't want that to be sacrilegious because these are doors that God opened up for me. These are things he called me to do. Maybe I didn't always do them in the most godly way, but you know, there's too many random occurrences for a kid born to a 15-year-old mom to have done the stuff I have, have been able to do in the relationships I have. I could not make that happen on my own. That's divine providence. That's a plan for your life kind of stuff. You know what I mean? So I don't want to Esau my birthright here. I don't want to do that. Okay? I believe the cause was worth it. But on a, pers- on a macro level, on a personal level, when I see the things my, my family and I said no to, the opportunities we said no to because we thought it was going to hurt the cause, the cause that we were fighting for, the stuff we've taken from people, the betrayals, I've ne- the amount of times I've been stabbed in the back by so-called Christians, I cannot even count. And now what I see is... An election, supposedly the good guys won. When you have, the Republicans have everything, and the whole debate is how to bail out Obamacare, how to unconditionally raise the debt limit, how to do amnesty. We can't even get Trump to get rid of the Obamacare abortifacient mandates. So those are all still in place. He promised to get rid of them. He has not. He won't even repeal the toothless Johnson Amendment, which doesn't threaten anybody. He hasn't even done that to protect religious liberty. And I'm asking myself, and I know, I, I don't, and I say this acknowledging, I know God is not always pleased with me because I'm asking it sometimes in a way that is questioning the call he has put on my life. 
But I am looking at the collateral damage me standing for these things has caused in my life and I'm at, and, and, and the life of those who are in life with me. And I am asking myself on a regular basis, what is the point of this? Now, I am married to a military brat, literally born on an army base in East Germany, back when it was still East Germany, in Nuremberg, while her father was stationed there. Is literally a graduate of, you know, Fort Campbell, Kentucky High School. Her dad spent over 20 years in the 101st Airborne. Ain't like she ain't accustomed to warfare. Although that's a different kind, but you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, she, sure. yeah, she grew up around us. She understands that. On a daily basis, she came home from school not knowing, is the army going to move us or are we getting, or is daddy getting deployed? And she did that her whole childhood. All right, so she's not unaccustomed to conflict. But what did we win? There's making enemies in the pursuit of righteousness, and then there's just making enemies. And I know this is going to be crazy to some people, but I'm an actual human being that if you knew me outside of this arena, my, 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 I think you guys would vouch for me. I'm not much different of a person outside of this than I am in this. I'm pretty much the same guy, but I'm not on this stuff all the time. I can turn this stuff off and walk away and go do video games, Star Wars, football, right? I, I, I'm, I'm not someone whose personality, you know, I was a popular kid in high school growing up. I'm not someone whose personality is antisocial, who goes out of his way not to be friendly with people. That's just not how I roll naturally. But I recognize standing up for these things was going to cause some of those things to happen. And I, I hate to say this, but I, I am asking myself a lot these days. And maybe it is classic midlife crisis stuff, and maybe I'm doing this instead of a mistress and a Camaro. I don't know. Okay? But I am asking myself a lot, particularly because of the book I wrote before I wrote Rules to Patriots. I don't want to be those guys. I don't want to be 60 and 70 and a national joke slash punchline slash villain for no, I'll do it for the right cause. But I, I don't want to do it just to do it. So, you want me to fight for Trump? Why? Tell me, tell me where he's fighting for us. I would happily fight for him. Hell, I'm the guy that introduced him to several of the people who helped him get his presidential campaign launched off the ground, for goodness sakes. I, you want me to fight for the Republican? I did that for 10 years. What did I get? What, did we, what are we getting? You want me to fight the liberal media? Well, okay, I'm on today with Bernie Sanders as campaign spokeswoman. Knowing that Trump's going to give us amnesty, what am I supposed to do? You know, this is why this is so hard. You keep using you and we. And when you wrote this chapter, you never thought for one second that when you said never abandon your base except when they are morally wrong, that ultimately you were the guy yes. that we're going to have to abandon your base because they were morally yeah, wrong. Because this hard. we thing, what what I, you're asking me to fight for, yep. you're in a different camp than I, I am. I agree with that. I, I, you're right. This has been extremely difficult on a personal level. Professionally, for whatever reason, maybe it's providence, maybe it's luck. Professionally, I'm one of the few people whose career has managed to grow despite not signing on to this. 
I mean, God bless Glenn, Glenn Beck. I count him as a friend, but he's on his second round of layoffs over at the Blaze now. He can tell you the story of not signing up for the to shill. On the other hand, shilling doesn't seem to work either. How many times have we done the show counting the graveyard of Trump shills? The only one that seemingly has been able to survive is Hannity. But remember, he was one of our movement's five or six biggest stars before this began. Whether you like him or not, his stardom is not in dispute. So he ha- he's, he's somewhat built into this. But Roger Ailes, before his passing, was defrocked nationally. He went from the most powerful man in conservative media as the guy running Fox News to a national scandal and disgrace. And then he passed away. Bill O'Reilly was the most powerful name in conservative media, the number one show on Fox. He's been disgraced. Scotty Hughes, we're all, you know what I'm saying? All these people gone. Bannon's gone. Reince Priebus, who rigged the convention for Trump, gone, out on his ass. Sean Spicer made an ass clown out of himself for 45 minutes every day for five months for Trump. Gone, out on his ass. So shilling for him doesn't seem to work either. And that's what makes this really difficult, is there's no clear path ahead. I'm not convinced there's a market of people that really want to know the truth. But there's also, I'm not convinced there's a market of people that want us to go fearless leader either. Because that doesn't seem to work for anybody, not named Sean Hannity, who wasn't already a built-in star. Everybody else that's tried this now has a joke. Chris Christie's his own meme. Mike Huckabee is an embarrassment most days. And I say this as the guy that played as much of a role in him becoming a national political figure as anybody not named Mike Huckabee did because of what we did here in Iowa. Newt Gingrich, what is that? Does anybody know what that is? He was better on a couch next to Nancy Pelosi, and that sucked. We can go down the line. No one, even Jared and Ivanka, hell, Jared's probably getting subpoenaed before a grand jury, if not indicted. Ivanka lost a clothing line. I mean, even the kids aren't even insulated from this. Have you guys noticed that? No one has, no one is walking away from the Trump phenomenon unscathed. But yet, at the same time, there doesn't seem to be a huge market for truth. We seem to, we're doing okay. That's why we still get to do this. You know how you'll know. Here's how you'll know. You guys ask me. Are you guys growing? Here's how you'll know if, if we're not doing okay. When you go to get the next podcast or go to CRTV.com and the show hasn't been updated in a few days. That's how you'll know. It's not okay now. All right? There's your metric. That's the only metric you need to know. So the fact that we're still here, that they put us on iHeart, that they're working to do an even another big deal for our podcast as we speak, that we hope to announce this week or next. Shows you we're doing okay, but we could be doing better. There's no question about that, too. This is a very uncertain time. And, you know, when you turn 44 years old, you realize I'm at halftime of life right now. I've got 20 to maybe 30 more years now to truly make a debt, to truly make a mark for what I believe in. And I just don't want to waste that time. I, I know big picture, I haven't wasted the time I've spent so far. I've made a lot of good connections. I've been able to do some good things, met a lot of good people, raised my visibility so I can now do this. So that's good. But I want to make sure when, 
when, when Amy hands me the picture of country time, I said, there's the shuffleboard in the rocking chair and Texas Hold'em's at one o'clock, okay? I want to make sure between now and that moment, I worked smart, not just hard. And maybe that's a better way of putting it. I, I'm not convinced I've always worked smart these last 10 plus years. And, and that's where you feel like you wasted your time. It was, was effort that could have been better spent elsewhere. And so trying to figure out where we go next, gentlemen, I don't know. I have so many people, of someone who's very prominent in the conservative movement. I just talked to him today on the way into the, way into the studio. You know, normally this is a person who would call me, give me his ideas. We'd game plan this thing out and feel pretty confident. We got, I, I don't know how this is going to end. I don't. Actually, that's the most in, uh, encouraging thing, honestly, about working for you right now. Because before all this started going this way, I mean, part of my role was to just uh, pop questions to you, put you on the spot. You like that. And, and you might not know the answer you have in your head when you start talking, but darn sure you're going to have it by the end of the time you start talking based on all your experience and your, 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 your reading, your spiritual life. It's going to come together. And it, but it is that... Ex- it's counterintuitive a bit, but it is that exact same backing that when you finally come up to the point where it's it's not it's a scam to believe anymore, then it's going to get to an answer that you can trust. You 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 put it all down and you say, on this one, uh, I'm along for the ride, flying by the seat of the pants, just like the rest of you. That's just flat out honest, and that's why we're different because what you're hearing out there is nothing short of flat out lies these days on both sides. It is, um, it is indeed an un- uncertain time. I, from my perspective, from my vantage point, I, I mean, I have not walked a mile in either of you guys' shoes. Uh, but from my vantage point, um, I, in my life, I don't want to have, uh, I don't want to have regrets. I don't really care whether or not things work out by the world's standards I just don't want to let any ammo go unfired uh, I want there to be an explosion whether that's uh, baby you're a firework or you're going down <laughs> in flames I want there to be a f- an explosion and I'm going to let God sort out the rest I, I don't um, I, I just don't want to sell out ever and I just um, and of course saying this in front of my employer uh, is is a little bit uh, difficult but I, I'm not really concerned about whether things work out by the world's standards or not as far as you know us getting to do this I mean it's a great gig I just as long as we don't sell out I'm going to be content with that as long as I don't sell out ever well then we're on the same page um you know i it's a balancing act because i i i run my own business i have employees i have bills to pay on some level i have to care i have a fiduciary responsibility to care that it is successful by how the world would count success on some level I have to mm-hmm. but I but that can't ever be my priority at the exact same time you know and 
Um, I, I want to find out. You know, we have said this from the very beginning. Can there be a market for truth? Now, we aren't the truth. We're, we're seeking it alongside our audience, but we're just the ones with the microphones in, our, in, in front of our faces as we, as we go along, okay? Is there really a market for truth in America if you can do it well, if you're entertaining, if you're talented, um, if you're self-aware, if you're non-hypocritical, as best as you possibly can be? Is, you know, if you're humorous, if you're winsome, it, can you do it this way? And we've always said on our show, we may find out the answer is no. Or we may find out the answer is yes, but somebody else is doing it better than us, and they're the ones that will crack the code. And I'm okay with I, I, I just, where I'm 100% with Aaron with what he just said is, when we go down, I, don't, I want it to be because, it, if, I should say if we go down, I want it to be because either A, we just weren't good enough, or B, there's just not a market for what we want to do even if we are. And I'm, I, I'm content with that. I really am. Now, I used to work in a mailroom. I'm a son born to a 15-year-old mom. Okay? You know, I mean, I once got cut from a junior high basketball team over a kid that only made it because they wanted to, because this school was proud of his perfect attendance record. All right? I, disappointment in life is not, this isn't new. Okay? Um, I get it. I'm okay with that. I just want to make sure if that's the reason, it's for the, that's, it's for the right reasons. But I also want to know, as we hit halftime, I guess maybe what I'm trying to say is I'm making some halftime, I'm trying to make some halftime adjustments. Is there a way we can do this? Particularly when I think it's strategically clear we have to. Because we're doing this in the most confrontational way possible, which is kind of my default setting anyway, given who's representing us, isn't yielding us any results. If it was yielding us results, you know what I would be saying, man? I'd love to smell of napalm in the morning. That's what I'd be saying. But I see no evidence that it's yielding us results. So we are the culture war equivalent to those soldiers in, in Nam, just taking the same dunghill every month, and then we give it back. Well, or are we taking it again? Well, we have, you know, that's kind of the, we're the culture war equivalent of that. I, and we come home disillusioned. I mean, I, I just, I fired on the same village for six months. What the hell was the point of that? that, that that's kind of how I'm trying to look at this right now. Is there a different way or a better way, given the environment we are in, to do this? Because I don't think, and the horse you rode in on, given who our generals are, is a winning strategy. Because we're not, we, we don't even have McClelland for generals, let alone Grant, guys. Okay, I mean our our generals at best are the Washington generals, if you know the reference I'm making. Yeah, when they say uh, "hold my beer," you like run away and hide in yes. shame because you don't want to be associated. Yes. with Yes. Yeah. You know they used to say about the great Alabama football coach Bear Bryant, he could beat you with he could take his and beat you with yours, and take yours and beat you with his, right? No. no, no. We can our generals take ours and beat us with ours, and take theirs and beat us with theirs. That's what they do. Yes. And so, if I thought burning Atlanta would win, I would be lighting Molotov cocktails, guys. Hey, my, one of my jobs with you is just to hold the kerosene for yes. you on standby, just in case we get but, there. But we don't have those kinds of generals, and so, you know, 
then you got to ask yourself, well, then, you know, maybe we need to go about this a, a more relational way, a more winsome way. I don't know. We are literally game planning with you out loud. But when I've done this consultation with so many candidates on these Ten Commandments of Political Warfare in the, in the years prior to writing this book, which is where these commandments came from. And in the, the years, a couple of years after this book came out, I can't tell you how many people that either wanted to run for office or were called and asked me about these. And you know what was the number one thing I always told them never to do? Was the one we talked about today. That even though it's similar to what Paul says about sexual sin, scripturally, no sin is more worthy of punishment than another. But sexual sin, it, it, it impacts the sinner in a different way because you're sinning against your own body. That's what this a commandment is. If I thought it was the most important commandment, I would have made it number one. It's not the most important, but it's the most lethal to the sinner, to the commandment breaker himself. Because if you if you trust Republicrats once or twice wrongly and they burn you, you can come back. If you make all these other mistakes in this book, you can come back. The one that your audience almost never lets you recover from is this one. If you betray your base, they almost never let you back. Ever. And we're 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 the rhinos, guys. I got into this going after rhinos, and after a decade plus of doing this, I've recognized it's like the walking dead, you know? When Rick looks at him over that, around the campfire and says, we are the walking dead. I had to come to this realization in the last year. We are the rhinos. We're the rhinos. Todd and Aaron, I'll give you the last word. That's probably your next book. We Are the Rhinos? Yes. <laughs> Can we get Bruce Springsteen to sing that? We are the rhinos. Yeah, we are the children. No, um, I echo what not only Steve, uh, but uh, Aaron said about um, how I want to go out. Uh, I want... My, 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 my oldest children are really just starting... Uh, to come of age uh, they're going to be 14 one just turned 12 but uh, they understand w- what i do uh why i do it in uh, a way that includes adult eyes and adult mind and along with my wife I-, I i don't i don't want them ever to see me and just have to kind of go along for this ride well, because that's who they happen to hitch their wagon to. Um, but they had wish it had been otherwise. I never, ever wanted to, to be that way. Um, think we, we can ride out situations regarding you know, wealth, having it, not having it, uh, whatever that the case may be. But what families are not meant to ride out is when a hollowing out of the thing that caused them to come together in the first place, that love created in the image and likeness of the uh, Trinity is pulled apart because there's no truth there. There's, there's no bond worth having there. And so I, uh, I can't stress enough that uh, all that Steve ha- has done and put at risk in that light, seemingly put at risk in that light, no doubt has only made what he has at home stronger. I know it's made at home what I have stronger. So if you're doubting that at home, 
um, don't doubt it anymore. Go for it. Because the most important things in your life, you will see a side of it that is nothing uh, short of a miracle. It is the true bonds, uh, eternal love. And stop falling for the fake nonsense that makes you believe that whatever you have here in this political sphere is better than Hillary. Because it just isn't. It's actually worse. Well said. Um, if if the cause is worthy, if it truly is existentially worthy of a person's time and talents and treasures, then it's, I think, the rest, any any and everything else, I believe. And this is, sounds like the biggest Jesus juke ever, because it kind of is, but it's also true. The rest is in God's hands. That's, that's I think... Uh, that's faith. Um, and so if, if a cause, if you believe a cause is worthy, then the rest it will be in God's hands. As long as you put your time and talent, the best of your abilities into that cause, um, I, I don't think at the end of the, end of the day you'll have anything to frown about. I don't think that you're going to have anything to regret. Now, if you're questioning whether or not a cause is worthy, then maybe... The answer, uh, maybe the answer is no, or maybe you just need some time to think about it. Maybe this is just, again, one of those seasons that you have to make it through. But at the end of the day, I don't think you'll have any regrets. Well said, gentlemen. Thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Don't forget promo code DACE if you want to watch today's CRTV show on CRTV.com, D-E-A-C-E. Back at it again tomorrow here on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, and now iHeartRadio. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you. 